Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. People around us, we let it be the excuse for this. We let it be the excuse for that. This is why I'm not doing this, and this is why. It's like, no, if I love Jesus, I'm pursuing him because of who he is. Not because of this person or that person or this happened or that happened or this disappointment or that dis- It doesn't matter what's Jesus doing and what can I get from him because he has something to say in every situation. Amen? So he's saying here, are you weary? Are you like, carrying burdens? He says, come to me. He says, simply join your life with mine. Again, we see this abiding, this remaining. He's saying, join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle. That's the first thing he is. He's gentle. And we're, so many times when we're struggling, the, the last one we want to go to is him. Right? And yet he's going to give us the gentle answer. He's going to give us the answer that's going to help us to break past that barrier, whatever it might be. He's, he's got a gentle answer. He's humble. He says, I'm easy to please. Again, we have to step back. How many things did Jesus ask us to do and how many things did others around us ask us to do and we're chalking it up on Jesus? Because sometimes it becomes this confusing web of things that everyone... And there can be all kinds of good intentions and good things. You know what? Even obligations. Because... Well, my mother did it, I do it, and all of these things we begin to carry, it's like some of those things Jesus never put on you. You're just carrying them. And he's like, it doesn't make the task that you're doing easy because Jesus, you've added things on. And he's like, no, just let me... Just simply obey me in this. And, you know, we're like, it's just a quick fix. No, it's not a quick fix. I believe that this whole year, if we're going to look at a, a year, if we take a year and we draw, and we draw from Jesus and we allow him to take off the extra baggage, we had a good year. Amen? Anyone with some extra baggage here? <laughs> I'll put up both my hands. It's like when you get closer to God, you just see you need him more. It's not like, oh, I got this in the bag. No, actually, the bag explodes more. <laughs> it's like, um, you know, he, 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 there's continual breaking so that he can give you more. And breaking and, and dying to yourself is not an easy thing, but in that dying, there's life. In that dying, that's the exchange. 
where he gives newness. He gives all of those things. He says here, you will find refreshment and rest in me. You will find refreshment and rest in me. And it's sometimes in those hard moments, it's not going to Netflix. It's not going to all of these other go-tos that we can go to. It's not getting busy about things because I just feel like I'm not accomplishing anything. So let's clean the kitchen again, right? Or let's do this even better. And it's like when really he's saying, why don't you come to me and get some refreshing, draw from me. And it might mean slowing down, pausing. And I believe that we're in a culture that is so driven around us. That's the thing we have to do. It has to, we have to allow the distractions to be put aside so that we can draw from him. Because he's got something he wants to clearly say in our moment of weakness, in our moment of whatever we might be in. Even our high moments, he wants to be there. We should be able to pause, stop, and say, thank you. Amen? And enjoy that moment with him. So many times we're thinking about it as the, the bad moments, but the good moments too. And then he says here, um, he says, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. Another translation says, for, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many have seen those yokes? And there's tremendous weight. And they used to carry... In Israel, this is uh, where he was using this context. Um, women, in particular, they tended to be the slave drivers of uh, getting the water from the well. And I'll tell you, in, in most cultures, women are the brute force strength. When I go to Africa, when I go to all of these places, the women are hard, 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 hard workers. And um, so in Israel, the women, would, when they would have to carry the water jug, carry them with their hands, it was very painful, very heavy, but they made this yoke that was for their children, and there would be two hooks, so they wouldn't have to hold the, and, and it would distribute the weight on their shoulders, and it would, so the same weight, they were carrying the same jug, just they were carrying it with a yoke. That made it easy. So we're like, sometimes we're going through situations and we're like, what's up with this? I prayed, I asked God, and he's like, I'm still in it. It's like, it's the same water jugs. What's up with this? And he's like, there's a yoke that is going to make that, that you have to walk through easier. Some things that we... You know, we want God to remove it instantly, but there's something God needs to remove from us before he removes that. And that is removing it from you if you walk through it. And for all of us, it's a different thing, but I'll tell you one thing. With God, it's a recurring moment, and you're like, deja vu. I've been here before. What are you trying to tell me? It's like it's this reoccurring thing because he's putting his finger on something and he's saying, you got to deal with this. I'm giving you a yoke. I have a yoke for you 
that is going to cause you to be able to walk through this. It's going to make it easier. And it's going to take whatever that is away. But you need to come to me. Amen? And we're like, how do I figure this out? You just come. You just come to him. So many times, that's what I find. Our brain gets in the way so many times. And Jesus was like, he commended, you know, he said, uh, I, I was reading, I, I don't think I have it in here, but he was talking about, um, God, you've hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent, and you've given it to the infants. You've given it to the simple. And, and so many times, we, we, we just have to come back to that place of simplicity, like a child. Because Jesus commended uh, the children, and then he lifted up the children, and he, uh, one child, and he said, if anyone who comes to me must come to me like this child. He was, he was commending children in their simplicity. And so a, 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 an intelligent person who uses their brain and thinks all the time, it, you have to surrender that to, to Jesus and allow him to work past that. Not that we never use our brain, but it can be an obstacle in a relationship. I kindle my wife. I love you with all my brain and all of my... It's like, you know, and everything was just all on, on an intellectual level. How many know that's, like, pretty sad? But that's what we're reducing our relationship to Christ with. And he wants to be intimate. He wants to draw closer to us. That means we we got to bear our burdens and allow him to come close in those moments. We need, we need to walk through those moments with him. Allow him to put inside of us what he wants to put inside of us. And there are moments where we don't want to walk through it many times. And it, sometimes he makes us walk through moments with other people where we're exposed. But when Christ is in us, healing comes through, through Christ and through others. Amen? That's the body. That's the body of Christ. That's who we are. That's church. Not all this other stuff. Not programs. I, I'm really I'm studying all my different things that I'm looking at in terms of discipleship and, and, and church growth and looking at other countries such as China and Iran and these different things that we're, we're looking at. We really see that, that this true discipleship is doing life together. That it's me getting in your boat and you getting in my boat. And us living life. It's not a program. We're trying to reduce it to a program with not allowing people to get close to us. But it's more is accomplished over a dinner meal with someone and them doing life with you for a few hours many times than a meeting. But we don't, we're not making those t moments. We're not making those times. Because we're busy with what? Is it in that important? Sometimes those simple moments are more important. And we need to make room for those. And I believe that, that God's going to begin to rearrange our lives and our priorities as we step back and, and pause and say, okay, is this important? I believe the Spirit of God can put that unction in you. You know what? Go out with this person. Spend that hour or two. Invite them over. Have them come and see your messy house and see the craziness and how Jesus is right there in the midst of it helping you. Amen? Some people are like a breath of fresh air. It's like, oh, they aren't perfect. 
yes. <laughs> Shannon missed when my bed wasn't made. She wasn't there. Chris didn't take a picture. He was kind. But it's not always perfect. And that's okay. But it's in those moments when we're walking together that, and we're walking that path with Jesus together, we discover him and we discover things with one another. And God brings us into more. That's how God made this whole journey. He birthed us into families. And God's healthy model, of course, is a man and a woman that stay together and that raise those children. And everyone's connected together. And you work things through. Amen? And God has fun making all of them super-duper different. And husbands and wives, exact opposites, dwelling together and he just, I think, laughs. And he's like, okay, work it out. Because <laughs> you're sharpening one another and you're having to allow Christ to work in you. And it's, it's good, but it, there's also those, those challenges in it. But it's all of those things are what build us healthy in Christ. And he works in that and causes something to come out of that that nothing else will do. And we're trying to reduce it to nice worship songs and a tickle little message that makes my ears feel really good, which really, when the rubber hits the road, I put it out there and I go to do it and I crash, bang, burn, and no one's there. And I don't really get changed. Right? It's many times the cycle. But if we take that time with him every day, if we allow those moments and we begin to, to allow him to teach us, how do we remain in him? How do we take your yoke upon us? How do you cause me to be able to carry this load easier than I have? Because it's the same load. It's just dispersed different. And he's there. What was the other verse I gave you? I've forgotten the other one. Oh, John. Oh, uh, John 7. Now, I want to give the context of this one because it's very interesting. In this context, um, before this happened, if you want to read a passage, one chapter, where you see so much controversy about Jesus, first of all, you see Jesus at the very beginning of this chapter. His brother says here, listen to this. After this, Jesus traveled extensively throughout uh, the, the province of Galilee, but he avoided the province of Judea, Judea, for he knew the Jewish leaders. And what they were doing, they were, they were going to kill him. How many of you know that's kind of a good thing? You avoid a place where they want to kill you. Okay. Has anyone had a death threat on their life? Yeah. It's not nice. Um, I have. And it is not nice. And it feels, you feel very vulnerable. And so Jesus lived with this continually. This wasn't the first one, okay? So death threat, okay? We'll just set the stage here. Next verse, even. Then it goes into, it says here, um, his brothers, right? No, no, I sorry. Keep going in John 7. Just keep going through the verses in John 7. 
Can you can you pull up that whole chapter? But I think I gave. Uh, sorry, I may have wrote it down wrong. I just double checked here. Um, the main one I want to have is thirty-seven and thirty-eight. But let's just go from the beginning. I, I want to just bring out a few things, and then I'll set the tone for this. So it says here, um, he he was going to be murdered in uh, Jerusalem, so he's avoiding that. Does it take a while to load up? I could read it from. this year. And then it says, now the annual feast of tabernacles was approaching. So Jesus, Jesus' brothers, okay, because you have to understand in, in Jewish law, This was the Feast of Tabernacles. So it says, so Jesus' brothers came to him to advise him, saying, why, why don't you leave the countryside villages and go to Judea where the crowds are so that your followers can see your miracles? No one can see what you're doing here in the backwoods of Galilee. How do you expect to be successful and famous if you do all these things in secret? Now is your time to go to Jerusalem, come out of hiding, and show the world. This is what Jesus is, though he's got a murder death threat on his life. He's got brothers who don't even believe in him, who are pushing him and saying, come on, like, get out there, do your miracles. You're not even doing it right. You're in this hick town Galilee doing stuff. You need to get out there in Jerusalem. You need to do something. He's, he's pulled, and, and then we go on, and I'm not going to go on, on to the other, but, you, you know, I'm It's like, he's basically saying, look, if you're going to be a man pleaser, anytime's good. Do whatever you want. There's all kinds of opportunities. When I'm following God, it's not the right time. Sorry. Hold your mic. It's not the right time. So he goes on, and, he, and, he, and then he says here, the world can't hate you, but it, it does hate does hate me, for I'm exposing their evil deeds. You can go ahead and celebrate the feast without me. My appointed time has not yet come. So then he sends them off. And we're not going to read the rest of the passage. We'll, we'll go to this one. But then he goes off, and he goes in hiding, and he goes to Jerusalem. He's doing the behind-the-scenes stuff. And he starts teaching, and he starts doing stuff there. Controversy starts happening. The murderers start coming out and realize, this guy's here, this guy's here. Some of them are calling him Beelzebub. Some of them are saying he's... And there's all kinds of controversy around Jesus. And we're wondering, why is it like that? Because there's always controversy around Jesus. There always will be. We need to get used to it. We need to get tough skin. And we need to be close to him because I don't know about you, but I need Jesus to back me as I'm standing with him. 
Just like he did for the early church. When Saul persecuted the church, Jesus came by the power of the Holy Spirit, knocked him off his horse, and said, um, Paul, or Saul at that time, he said, it's not good for you to kick against the goats or against me, against what I'm doing. He says, why are you persecuting me? He wasn't persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting the church. But Jesus took it personal because we're his body. Amen? When we stand for Jesus and we stand in his truth and who he is, not the distorted view that everyone is giving him, the biblical view of who he is, Jesus backs his people. Amen? He defends them. So anyway, he goes on and on and on. And there's all this controversy and there's all this going on in the multitude. And all of a sudden it says here, then at the most important day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood and said, and what did he do? It says he shouted out to the crowds. So he takes the, the peak time of, the, of this festival, everyone, and there's all this controversy. And he shouts out to them. And what does he say? All you thirsty ones, come to me. He's telling them again, come to me and drink. Believe in me so that the rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being, just like the scripture says. How many want rivers instead of controversy and turmoil and confusion and all of this other stuff that's going on? Jesus is like, come to me. In the midst of all that, he's shouting, come to me. Amen? Come to me. And he's got rivers. He's got a, a, a flowing river that is there for us to receive from, to tap into. Amen? And that's what we need. We need him. We need him. We need to draw from him. And I want to just close with John 15. We're just going to read this whole passage. We're probably going to be in John 15 for a, a while because there's so much in it that we, we have to understand and begin to really see it for what it is. Um, and I love how Jesus uses growing, the growing analogy because how many of us see it all the time, stuff growing? We see new life. We see the whole, the whole aspect of it. And Jesus used it because he wanted us to identify with how God works in this new way that he's coming. And he says, I'm the true sprouting vine. Jesus is saying, I'm the vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. So there's two, in, there's two workings that are happening in our lives. There's Jesus, the source of life that's coming into our life, He's teaching us, giving us words of life. But then there's the Father out on the outside, and he's orchestrating all these things. And this is what he does. He cares for the branches. This is what the Father's doing in our lives. He's caring for all our branches. He's caring for our kids. He's caring for our job. He's caring for all of the things. How many know Daddy God is in control? Oh, yes, Colin. Do you have... Is it a quick testimony or how long is it? Colin has, Colin's just beaming. They had an amazing testimony. It's usually never a, a short, but can you, can you sum it up in a few minutes? 
this is just an example of how Father God works and takes care of us. And it, it, I didn't, I haven't heard it yet, so I'm excited to hear it. But I know with 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 uh, Colin, excited. So try to do it in about five minutes if you can. I'm telling a preacher to do it in five minutes. It's not going to happen. What he doesn't know is I'm a preacher too. <laughs> on on this on our uh, this, this last trip, um, we yeah. When we were coming over the mountains, uh, we are coming into California. We had heard that uh, there was a, a huge storm coming in from the Pacific, and it was going to hit within 48 hours. So we came down into California. We dropped our load off. We picked up our load. And, and just as we found out we were picking up our load, we found out, well, this is all going to be picked up on Thursday will be done around three o'clock, and we looked at each Donna and I looked at each other and said, "We can be home for for church on Sunday. This is awesome." But we had to get through these storms that were coming through. So as we started heading out of California, yeah. So as we were heading out of California, the storms were coming through, and I kind of sit back when when we're starting a, a new leg of our trip. I'm going to do like a prayer. I always do prayer on our trips. So I kind of sit back and, and I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to do this? And God gave me a, 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 like a picture in my head of Moses standing on the shore of the Red Sea. And I heard a voice that said, Moses parted the sea. So I'm like, okay, I'll run with that. So I gave thanks to God with everything that he's done in our lives and keeping us safe on the road. And, that, and I, I, sa I said, Father, if you can part this storm for us, part this storm so we can get through and make it all the way home for, for church on Saturday, that would be great, you know. Just part this storm in Jesus' name. Well, as we started going along, we are running in rain and wet highways. And we got, we got out of California, and we're coming up through Kansas, and Donna says, where's the storm? So I'm always tracking it on the weather map, right? So I pull out the map, and it's got this little tiny blue dot on it that shows us. It's GPS on our phone, right? And I'm like, we're in the middle of it. And she goes, what? <laughs> I said, yeah, we're in the middle of the storm. And literally, I've never seen this before. I, I, I've always wanted to be a meteorologist, and I cannot figure this out for the life of me. There's this huge storm that runs across states heading from the southeast to the northwest. And in, in southwest to, yeah, in, in the middle of the storm is this tiny, 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 tiny little clearing and a blue dot in the middle of it. This is us. And I'm going, we're in the middle of the storm and it's just rain and wet roads. And we get through Kansas. We're coming up into Michigan. I look at it again. And the storm has turned into like a horseshoe shape wrapped right around us. And there's a tiny little blue dot in the middle just plowing through. It's awesome. There's my five minutes. But God is good. Amen. Amen. And you know... God delights in little things like that. And we, that, that, of course, it's a big thing. But it's a little thing to God. And it's a little thing that's personal. 
And God delights in being such a personal God in, in our moments and in the things that we're doing in life. And he'll even bring us into things that we would have never have thought of. But we've included him, and then we've allowed him to work in us so that when we step into that moment, we're like, wow, I can, I, I can do this. It's not you doing it, but you, you're obeying, you're following him. But it's him doing it. And these are the moments he wants to give us. And I believe um, more and more and more this year, it's taking that time to just slow down and to just hear and to just be sensitive to, to the things that he wants to do because he has an agenda. He has a plan. And this is what he says. So anyway, his father, our father is, is pruning the branches. He's propping up the fruitless branches. So... So those that are the way down and that are, you know, looking withered, he's like he's propping up, he's working on it. And the, and the branches that are, are bearing fruit, he's pruning them so that they will grow more fruit. Because every branch you prune, two, more, two or three more branches will come out of it. So he cares and he wants these things to, to be happening. So you're wondering why sometimes am I cut back in certain things when it, everything's going good? It's because... Sometimes he prunes that, and more is going to come out of that pruning time. Because whenever we're in that plush, posh, we, we go into ease, we go into coast. We're good, we're good. Don't ruffle my feathers. Just come on, everything's good, cruising, right? And it's like he can only do so much with that. And he has to, okay, it's time. Gonna expand some branches. No, I like that one branch. It was beautiful. It had three oranges on it. He's like, I want twelve. Snip. <laughs> Grow three more. <laughs> now he'd say it gentler. <laughs> I'm working on that. But you know, we're all in the, this process where the father is working. He's working. But in the midst of his working, it's our responsibility to remain in the vine. He's saying here, um, the words I've spoken over you have already cleansed you. He's talking to his disciples here. He says, so you must remain in life union with me. For I remain in life union with you. So it's, it's like... He's, you know, this is what astounds me with Jesus. He's basically saying, look, I could do it without you, but I've made a commitment to you. We've made a commitment to each other. We have to do this together. I know you don't want to right now for whatever reason, and we have many reasons, right? But he's like, I'm in life union with you, and like your big brother, I'm not going to let you get away with this. you got to do your part. I'm going to do my part, but you got to do your part. So buckle up here and get ready because we're going to go for a different ride. And I want you to remain with me. And I'm going to be there with you, and we're going to do this together. Amen? And he has different journeys. Sometimes we're like, why am I on this one? But remain in life union with him. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live 
your life intimately joined to mine. And again, what is producing life in us? You need to ask yourself, is you're feeling dry, you're feeling dead, you're feeling there's no life. Are you remaining in him? Or are you filling yourself with worry? You're filling yourself with all kinds of things. Give him your worries. Give him your fears. That's the thing about Jesus is we can come to him with all of those things, whatever it is. That's the cool thing about having a relationship. You don't have to have all the right answers. You just have to give it to him. Amen? But it's hard to do sometimes when we're used to doing it on our own or our default is something else. But he says, I'm the sprouting vine and you are, you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. The person is separated from me. He is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and this is the part we also need to remember, and if my words live powerfully within you. So when we're coming to him, that we're receiving those words from his word, we're receiving the things he says, and we're, we're embracing them, we're believing them, we're choosing to follow him. We're allowing the power of those words to bring change to our life. Amen? Not arguing with those words. We're not debating those words. It's, Jesus, this is what you said. I believe you. And we allow the power of those words to work. He says here, and those words live powerfully within you. Then you can ask whatever you desire, because your desires become right when his word takes the right place in your heart and you ask whatever you ask it will be done amen when your lives bear abundant fruit you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my father I love each of you with the same love that the father loves me you must continually let my love nourish your hearts so he's got love there that he wants to nourish our hearts with. And the same love that the Father gives him, he gives to us. Amen. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands. For I continually live nourished and empowered. So Jesus didn't have a down day. He continually drew on his Father's nourishment and love. We, we, we seem to think, oh, I can have a down day. You know, it's just a bad day. It's like we don't have to have a bad day. If Jesus lived continually nourished, we can. Amen? And it was by his love that he was nourished. He says, for my purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. How many know it's a good reason he wants to tell us these things? He wants us to have the joy, joy, joy down in our heart. Amen? And when the joy gauge is gone, you need back up. The joy, when you've lost the joy of your salvation, when that's gone, you have to back up and you have to connect with Jesus again. 
you need to allow him to, and you need to give that to him. It's like, I can't figure it out. It's not your job. It's your job to get honest with him and tell him where you're at. It's up to him to sort of figure out, set things in place, speak to us what we need at that time. Amen? How many can do that? I believe we all can. So we're going to close with just focusing. We're going to come to his feet. We're going to take the position of his feet. We're going to just draw and look to him. And um, so I think we'll, we'll, if we can have the worship, we're going to just, just adore him in closing. You know, and if there's something that you're feeling, you know, that you need to lay down, then maybe sometimes it, it helps to just kneel or just to change your position to demonstrate that you're, you know, I remember one time, um, can't remember who it was. Was it dad with the finances? He put his, or it was this business. He put his keys on the altar. I remember there was, he was frustrated and it was, it just was at a point where he needed to surrender. And the only way he, he did it outwardly to demonstrate is he put his keys, he had tons of keys with all of his stuff that he did. All his responsibilities and he just put them on the altar. That was his way of. So it's between you and Jesus, but let's just draw close to him. Let's look to him and let's allow him to work in us uh, greater this year. Let's not think, oh, it's going to be the same as last year. It's not. You can't abide with him. You can't remain in him and his life force flow through you and things stay the same. They can't. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.